Hello and welcome to Transition to Hope. Today, we get to interview Eric Johnson, the author of Introducing Christianity to Mormons. This will be a three-part series, so the first part will be today, where we'll be talking about how Eric got started in this ministry to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we'll be talking about uh, some of the very basic foundational ideas of Christianity, particularly, particularly creation and fall. In our next episode, part two, we'll be talking about redemption, and in the last episode, we'll be talking about the interactions between followers of Christ, that is New Testament Christians, Bible-believing Christians, and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Welcome. So today we get to welcome Eric Johnson, uh, who is the author of Introducing Christianity to Mormons. And let me just put, put that up, uh, which is a book that has come out in 2023. Uh, and we, we have the privilege today of asking Eric some important questions about introducing Christianity to Mormons. So with that, uh, welcome Eric Johnson. Thanks for having me on, Albert. Uh, Eric, uh, how did you wind up uh, writing a book on introducing Christianity to, to Mormons? I've been involved with Ministry of the Mormons since the 1980s, uh, uh, since 1989 with Mormonism Research Ministry. Uh, I've written uh, several books on the topic, Mormonism 101, Answering Mormons Questions, Sharing the Good News with Mormons are all titles that I was a part of. But uh, in, in uh, COVID of 2020, in July, I had just suffered from COVID and I was just recuperating. My daughter came into my office where I'm sitting right now and said, Dad, I've got this coworker who is wanting to know more about what Christianity is about. She's a former Latter-day Saint. Uh, just would like to know what I believe. Is there a book that I could give her that would kind of systematically show her? And I went to my bookshelf right over there and I, I have a whole host of books on basic Christianity, everything from uh, uh, you, um, uh, Case for Christ and uh, Choosing Your Faith and, and Cold Case Christianity, good books, but none of them were written specifically toward a person who has an LDS mindset, presuppositions and a worldview. Uh, I said, well, you know, that's a book that just needs to be written because so many people are leaving the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and they're headed to nothingness. Uh, at least they ought to give Christianity a try, but there's nothing there that would really explain the essential issues of Christianity in a way that a Latter-day Saint would be able to understand because you have to understand, Albert, as you know, uh, the, the, the vernacular is the same. We use the same terms, God, Jesus, scripture, salvation by grace. And yet we have difference of meanings when we say those words from a evangelical Christian perspective, but for, or from a Latter-day Saint perspective. So, uh, so anyway, uh, that afternoon I, I actually had to mow the grass cause it was so long and I wasn't feeling that well. And I said, well, maybe that ought to be a book I ought to write. And, uh, and so I started to do that. So I threw the idea out to the publisher Harvest House that had published the previous book I had written, and uh, they agreed to uh, print that. So we uh, took two years to, from that idea all the way to the publication two years later and in uh, the summer of 2022. But uh, it's actually been a book that I've had a number of Latter-day Saints or former Latter-day Saints tell me it was really helpful to them to be able to understand uh, getting past the uh, straw man arguments that Latter-day Saints make uh, oftentimes in their church, they think that 
and, and the basic idea is that all we have to do is say a little prayer and we can go do whatever we want live licentiously and uh, that's not true and so that helped correct that stereotype and others like that so i i wrote it for christians obviously it's a christian publisher and they're not gonna let me market that to latter-day saints but i really was hoping that it could be a book that people would be willing to give to people who have either just left the church or maybe were thinking about leaving the church and to give give jesus a try by understanding what the bible teaches and what what are some of the main doctrines as to who god is who jesus is what salvation is all about what our authority is the priesthood of the believer those kinds of things so i think it's been um, a helpful book for many people well it's, it certainly uh, has been helpful uh, as you know i had a, i've had an opportunity to uh, walk through that book uh through your book uh with uh, a group at my church in fact we um, uh, we, we posted those, we call them firesides on our website, transition to hope.org. And we, we, we had like three different studio sessions where we talked through your book and it was tremendously helpful for the group who was there. Uh, they, they were just, uh, astounded. And it, it, part of it is it's so well researched. There's a lot of good information. You mentioned that you've sort of modeled it after the style of, case for christ mm -hmm. and those series of books and it really does it, it does reflect that uh and it's very accessible so we were delighted to to go through it and uh we continue to to see it uh, we, we we have it in our bookstore at our church and we continue to see a lot of interest in it thank you for doing that i sure appreciate it it was really our our, our delight and our pleasure one thing i, I wanted to ask you you uh, you mentioned LDS, and then you mentioned Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So that's the LDS. Uh, but the book is titled Introducing Christian to Introducing Mormons to Christian. Uh, and I'm wondering, why didn't you call it Introducing Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to Christians? And I, I think I know the answer just from having to say the whole thing. Well, and that's a little controversial because the current prophet of the church, now he's 98 years old, Russell M. Nelson, back in 2018, had Jesus supposedly tell him that he would be offended at the you the use of mormon or lds or mormonism because they're substitutions for the name of jesus in the church's name and so uh they changed their lds.org and mormon.org websites to move over to churchofjesuschrist.org uh and uh, they're not allowed to use that supposedly anymore and in the middle of a conversation with a latter-day saint uh if i use the word mormon they'll shut down sometimes and they'll say we don't use that term so I wasn't purposely trying to be offensive by using the word Mormons in my title. And as far as Christianity, Latter-day Saints certainly claim to be Christians as well. But the question is, what does that mean? Historically, the term Christian has had a meaning for the past 2000 years. And the Johnny-come-lately Latter-day Saint movement uh, is trying to take that same term. And I think it only confuses things, but okay. So, so I'm, I need to, uh, be a little more specific, uh, introducing evangelical Christianity or biblical Christianity, if you will, that's going to be too long. And then to members of the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints, instead of introducing Christianity to Mormons, the Mormon is a term still used by many Latter-day Saints. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to say that, uh, it's kind of a silly thing in my mind that really Jesus gets offended. If he got, if he gets offended since 2018, what about all of the campaigns that they have run over the years, including the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, which they've changed the name of that, or uh, 
you know, we we had an I am a Mormon campaign back in the uh, early 2000s, and they had videos down at Temple Square you could watch, and these people talking about how proud they were to be a Mormon. Was Jesus somehow offended at that? So this is a, a, a move that I think was more of a personal decision made by the president of the church, who, as an apostle in 1990, spoke out against the use of Mormon in April of 1990. What's interesting, in October, the next general conference here in Salt Lake City, uh, uh, Gordon B. Hinckley, who was the first counselor of the first presidency, later to become the 15th president of the church, and he countered in public. I, I was amazed at the talk in, in October of 20, of, of, of uh, excuse me, 1990, uh, how he, he countered uh, Nelson and said he thought that Mormon meant more good. And he saw he thought there were other things that we could call the Latter-day Saints that were much more offensive. So, sure. so it kind of went back and forth. Yeah. And those I Am a Mormon videos are still available to not today on, on YouTube. Uh, yes, YouTube they are. Primo, so uh, you, you mentioned that you talked about the, the, the terminology and um, uh, the different terminology that we use. And, and I'd like to try to kind of follow up. You cover a lot of this in the book, but I appreciate the chance to kind of follow up with some questions. Uh, uh, so thank you for that. So. If, if you were going to say evangelical Christianity and, and reduce it down to some very basic touch points, often I've heard the idea of creation, fall, redemption, glorification. And, and if, if you wouldn't mind, just help us understand what each of those look like. I know in the, the word creation, I know that I've seen the endowment ceremony video that is used for people to become sort of more official, if I could put it that way, members of the LDS Church, and in that in that endowment ceremony, there is a it used to be a play, but now it's a, a film that talks about what I thought of as creation, but they use the word organized. So, how is creation different in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints as you would find it in the Bible, or as New Testament Christians would refer to it? Evangelical Christianity and, in fact, all monotheistic, the three major monotheistic religions all teach an ex nihilo, creatio ex nihilo, uh, out of nothing. Uh, God spoke it into the existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do that? Not by taking uh, matter that was already in existence. He created, he stepped out of his uh, realm, if you will, to be able to create time and space and matter. It, it was something that was a created thing. Uh, and um, uh, in Mormonism, it's creatio ex materia, mm. matter that's already been in existence. According to Mormonism, that there was this time where there was intelligences, spiritual intelligences, and we were a part of that. So was God. So was his God and previous gods before him and all future gods were all part of this spiritual matter. When that was, nobody knows. The Latter-day Saint does not speculate. Uh, the idea that God was always God is not part of Mormonism, that he, he uh, actually ended up becoming God. Uh, he lived in a, a previous universe, uh, that he had a body of flesh and bone, and he was a human, could have very well been a sinner. Many Latter-day Saints I talked to think that that's a possibility because they believe they're just like God was in a previous time. And so th that God made out of the 
uh, materials that were available to him and his God, because in Mormonism, there's this infinite regression of gods and that his God had done the same thing. And then that God had done the same thing before him and so on and so forth, where you can yeah. never pin down where the first God came from. This runs into not only biblical problems, but philosophical problems. I think William Lane Craig has probably talked best on this topic. Uh, um, the New Mormon Challenge, he writes a whole chapter on, on the idea of the uh, cosmological argument called the Kalam cosmological argument, that everything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. Mm. You can't have an infinite regression of time. It's a theoretical number when the mathematicians use dot, 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 like pi equals 3.14 dot, dot, dot. Infinite set mathematics is theoretical. It's not real. You can't mm. go into an infinite past and, uh, and then arrive at today if the past is truly infinite. So philosophically, you have a major problem. A lot of Latter-day Saints or atheists like to attack the uh, the syllogism I just put out, everything that begins to exist has a cause. And they go, well, what what caused God? And the answer is God never needed any kind of a cause. And so everything that begins to exist has a cause um, is, is very clear, begins to exist. God did not begin to exist. Therefore, God did not need a cause. I think it's pretty straightforward. Biblically, you cannot support the idea that there always has been matter that God, somehow God and previous gods had to organize. It's uh, completely fallacious. Yeah, and it reduces the idea of God. Um, Absolutely it, does. Um, if if God simply showed up at, at, and began to organize this or that, where, where did the this or that come from? So That's a great point, Albert. And, and just think about this. The Bible is very clear about how God is from everlasting to everlasting. Psalm 90, mm -hmm. verse 2. Uh, mm -hmm. We have uh, uh, Malachi 3, 6, God does not change. Even the Book of Mormon in uh, Moroni 8.18 says that God is from everlasting to everlasting. It's very mm -hmm. clear, even in the LDS scripture, this is not an idea that came right away with Joseph Smith. He progressed in a lot of his ideas. So, uh, so you can't support it either with the Book of Mormon or the Bible. It's something that mm -hmm. came in much later. That's really helpful. So... Uh, we have in Genesis 1, we have creation. And then in Genesis 2, well, Genesis 3, we have the fall. Yeah. And I've noticed that um, there's, in some ways of describing the fall, it almost sounds, as I hear Latter-day Saints, especially general authorities, apostles, and so on, uh, talk about it, um, it's almost like the fall was a good thing. Uh, that there, there's almost like a fall upward, uh, and so when when a, when a when an evangelical Christian talks about the fall, it's a downward fall. Can you help kind of sort that out for us just a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean the idea that sin took place in the Garden of Eden and it was not a positive thing by any stretch of the imagination. But in Mormonism, there's a verse in the Book of Mormon that says, Adam fell that men might be. You have to understand a little bit about the worldview of Mormonism. They do believe in a pre-existence, they call it, or pre-mortality. Before we lived, we lived in a previous existence. Heavenly Father, God the Father, Elohim is another name for him. He had relations physically with his, uh, with his uh, many spiritual wives. Polygamy is in heaven and created all the spirits, we were all there. And uh, and so we had to make a choice between a plan 
for the savior of the world between Jesus, the firstborn, or Lucifer. Lucifer said that he would force everybody to accept Heavenly Father's plan of salvation. Jesus said he would give everybody agency. Well, Jesus was the rightful heir, and so uh, we had to make that choice. Well, we chose Jesus, and the reason why we know that we chose Jesus is because we were given bodies necessary to be able to progress into uh, godhood, if you will. And one third of our brothers and, and uh, sisters did not, and they were cast out of heaven with no bodies. They will go to outer darkness in the end. They have no chance at one of the three kingdoms of glory. So the fall uh, was a necessary thing by Adam. In fact, even Brigham Young taught that Adam was God. He actually mm -hmm. taught that in Journal of Discourses, uh, 26 volume set, volume one, page 50 and 51. And, he, and he, he said that he taught that as doctrine, although that was rejected by Orson Pratt and some others at the time and is rejected by Mormonism today. But that's how important Adam was, that he had to, that, that the fall had to take place in order for those spirits to be able to be released to come to the second estate or mortality, as it's called, to be mm -hmm. able to take on human body so that you could progress and the hope is when you die that you will be given the ability to get into what's called the celestial kingdom where you hope to be with your wife husbands and wives together as well as your children together families are forever is a motto i don't know if it's been trademarked or not but that's the that's their idea of heaven to be with their nuclear family in fact the nuclear family plays more of a role in heaven than Jesus does, which is really quite interesting. We just have we have a uh, apostle um, lives here in Utah, um, Jeffrey Holland, and his wife just died. Pat just died this past week as as I'm talking. And uh, uh, Jeffrey Holland has a clip in a um, video that takes place at every temple open house. They open up the temple for a few weeks before a temple gets dedicated and they're building temples left and right. And in the video. Uh, Jeffrey Holland says heaven would not be heaven without his wife, without mm -hmm. his family. He said it would not be it would not be heaven without without them. And so what does that make Jesus chop liver? He's more looking forward to being with his wife who just passed away. So he's he's looking forward to dying and being able to be with her much more, at least on uh, the tape. It doesn't he never mentions Jesus at all. And I guess you could say, well, I I certainly met her and Jesus. But in, in Christianity, we don't have that kind of uh, idea that uh, we're going to be with the nuclear family. We call it the family of God, you know, the priesthood of the believer right. that all of us who are believers are going to be there. But uh, you don't ride in on the coattails of your family members. Neither do they do that. in Mormonism, you have to go on your individual merits. But uh, yeah, the, the fall without it, it's. Uh, there's no Mormonism because you, you don't have um, the ability to get to th this estate. Okay. So the fall was necessary for all the good things to happen. Absolutely true. And so we see within the religion of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and an upward fall, a movement toward a progression toward God, just as the serpent offered in Genesis 3 to become like God, uh, which is the Mormon viewpoint. The biblical New Testament and Old Testament understanding within Judeo-Christian faith is the idea that the fall of Adam and Eve represents a downward fall, uh, a, a rebellion against God, a disobedience of God a shaking of one's fist toward God and 
requiring a great intervention on the part of God to save mankind. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next segment of this interview. So be sure and come back for part two. Thank you. This has been Transition to Hope with your host, Dr. Albert Spaulding. We care deeply about folks who are experiencing a faith crisis or who are trying to help a friend or fellow ward member sort through their shelf of questions. We want to be a positive and helpful resource for you. If you'd like to talk through your doubts, questions, or concerns in a safe and non-threatening dialogue, please reach out to us at our contact page at www.transitiontohope.org. You can also find show notes for today's podcast and other helpful information at our website. And if you'd care to donate to Transition to Hope, you can do so at the Donate button. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating. Meanwhile, we won't try to do your thinking for you, but we'd love to stand with you and be a resource for you as you seek coherent answers to life's big questions. Most of all, we care deeply about your faith journey. We want to help you transition to hope.